0: Come on. How are you this morning? Come on. No. How are you this morning? Are you alive and well? Come on. You're in the house of God. You could be anywhere, but you are here and the Lord knew you were going to be here today. Praise God, right? Come on. I come from a church where like, even when the the preaching's good, people talk back. And when the preaching's bad, people still talk back. So you can still talk back to me. All right. Come on. I know it's early. You got your, hopefully you got some North End coffee this morning in you. I know I did. I'm on like four shots of espresso plus cold brew when I woke up at five. So I'm ready to preach. Um, But I just want to tell you, you have the absolute most amazing church and what is being cultivated and established. And the roots that are deep here are just so beautiful. It's so beautiful what you have here. I mean, Hilton Head is gorgeous and Bluffton is amazing. But this church is amazing. You have some of the best leadership in your house. I mean, we are, we're like, we love, I mean, we watch every single Sunday of what's happening here just because we love it. And Caleb, I, I love you. Haley, we love you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you. We're so blessed to have you a part of our life and a, and a part of what we feel like God is stirring in us in this season for church planning. Um, and so, man, I'm just excited to be here. Um, your staff too, Pastor Brad, I don't know where you're at. Oh, he had, he had to go to Bluffton. So love you. If you're listening somehow, some way, I love you. Um, and just the whole team, uh, tonight. I, I, so, uh, I'm gonna let the cat out the bag. I'm guest preaching tonight in youth. Come on somebody. So, Hey, if you are, yeah, (laughs) I'm ready to go. Um, I got a word in my heart for, for tonight too, for, for the youth, Uh, for Gen Z tonight. So if you have a student or you know a student, if you're like, don't be like a weird kind of creeper person, but if you're like, see, if you know people, like be like, yo, you need to get to Renew Youth tonight. So have them come. People up there, have them come. So I'm excited to preach. Um, And yeah, can we just, can we pray? Come on, I know that you guys are a church that prays. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord this morning. Jesus, I just submit myself to you. I say it's, it's all about you, Jesus. It's nothing about me. It has nothing to do with us, God, but it's just you. So Jesus, we just want to behold your face and your beauty. We just want to behold you, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And God, I just, I decrease today so that you might increase. I say less of me and more of you. I say none of me and all of you, Jesus. So would you just come and would you have your way this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Hey, I know that we stood in worship, but can we give reverence to the word of God this morning and stand? I'm gonna read just three verses and you don't have to stand the rest of the time unless you just feel like, hey, every time he gives the word, I'm just gonna stand for it. That's okay with me too. It won't be weird. Uh, it might be weird for everybody around you, but that's okay. It won't be weird for me. So I, I want to talk out of Hebrews today. And uh, I really, so the word that was deep in my heart when I was making this message was just awakening, that there would just be a generation, Gen Z, that would awaken to the things of God. But as this morning as I was just kind of praying a little bit and going through my message, I felt like the word that the Lord was giving me was how do we steward Gen Z well? How do we as Fathers and mothers in the faith, how do we steward a generation well? A generation that is walking away from the things of God, that is looking for something authentic. And they're not looking for pastors and communicators, but they're they're looking for people that are really genuine in what they believe and walk it out behind closed doors and walk it out when the doors are wide open. That's what a generation is looking for. And I know for me, this is what I want to do. I want to steward a generation well into the things of God. I want to spur a generation well into the things of the Lord. To be awake, that their eyes would be awake into the beauty of God. That God is not just some distant thing, but he is a God that is real, that is close, that is loving, that is kind. His Holy Spirit is engaging with us. He is convicting the believer of everything that we are walking through. That's that's what I want to do in my life. That's what me and my wife, we wanna do with our kids is we wanna love them well and point them to Jesus in everything that we do. So Hebrews 12, one through three says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For who the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And this is what we have as a generation that is losing heart in the things of God. So how do we steward well? You can you can go ahead and be seated. Just a couple things that I, I've like just began studying. You know, the next generation, Gen Z, really the generation right now. But if you didn't know, there's actually another generation that is coming up, which is actually Gen A. And then in 2024, we are gonna see a Gen B being produced. Every 15 years, we see about a new generation. And in the past, the church, I don't believe has... Steward younger generations well, and, I'm, and when I say the church, I'm not—I'm not saying every church. I'm not saying your church. I feel like your church is doing it. Just being real, because you have a—you have a leadership team and elders who love Jesus and want to steward the next generation well. But the church has missed it a lot of times. We're watching a decline of millennials and Gen Xers even walk away from Jesus, and most people would say it's about 11% decline year after year. That's disheartening. That's disheartening. 81% of Gen Z youth are curious about the Bible and curious about church. But what they have seen is they have seen it become about pastors and communicators rather than people that are set on fire for the things of God. That 81% of Gen Z youth actually want to know what the Bible says and 84% of them um, would wish that they would read their Bible more. But I wonder if we're giving them the Bible or we're just giving them one-liners to try to sustain for the week. Cause I know for me, when I got set on fire for Jesus at ninth grade was when I, I, I got saved at a youth camp. Thank God for youth camps. But when I got saved, I got like baptized in fire. And I didn't get filled to the spirit until later, but I knew what the Lord was doing in my life, keeping me from things. I remember at the age of four, by, by the way, my parents are in the house. These are my parents. Came all the way from Florida. They're amazing people. And I remember being young. I think I was about four or five years old. We were living in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Uh was born in LA, but then we moved to the uh, the Panhandle during the LA riots and just trying to get away. And somebody had given me a dream catcher. And like, you know, we don't think much about it. It's like, oh, it's pretty, it's cool. But actually there was something tied to that dream catcher. Something deep, dark, and demonic. And for, for like multiple nights, I was having the worst nightmares ever. And then we threw it away and never, 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 like I never had those nightmares ever again in my life. But I knew that the Lord was like, I knew that there was something deep and demonic on it. And so the, like the enemy was really trying to, to, to really catch me, to ensnare me. I think he was trying to hold me and pin me down. But the anointing of God was, I felt like even at a young age, I told my parents that I wanted to be a preacher and like, I don't know. I think I was like, maybe like five, six, seven. I say I want to be a pastor. My mom was like, you know, they don't make money. And I'm like, that's okay. I don't got to make money. I ain't making any money right now. It's okay. Praise God. We're making it. The Lord's good. He provides everything. But like I mean it's just from that age like and I feel like right now we have a generation that really wants to know who God is. And the Bible has everything about who the Lord is. Right? I mean this is Jesus in the flesh, the word of God, right? And so the there's a generation looking for something that is real true and genuine and authentic. And I believe that we as the church We are the answer for a generation right now. We are the answer for a generation right now. What does Malachi 4, 6 say? It's not going to come up on the screens, but it says, and then he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is going to happen in the last days. What is the last days talks about? Well, in Joel 2, it says that in afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in the last days and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth. The only way that this happens, the only way that we have a Joel 2 experience, I believe, is when we walk, when we see uh, Malachi 4, 6 happen. Which is when he will turn, the gener- turn a generation to the hearts of the fathers. This is for us as mothers and fathers, as men and women of God, to steward a generation well. That we would see them turn their eyes to Jesus and walk close with Jesus. So I kind of want to just break some things down before I really get deep into this message. But if we look back at Hebrews 12:1, it says that since we are surrounded and you can put this that uh put that back up. It says since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. See, in the mind's eye what was pictured here by the writer of Hebrews was that there was a cloud. It was it was a it was witnesses of people that were, that were looking upon, but not just so much looking upon, but actually trying to stir and to, and to speak into what was happening on the earth. It was like a, a previous champions of faith as spectators from heaven cheering on as we press on and overcome the present discouragement of this day and age. This is what was happening. The Greek word translated for cloud was actually indicating a group which is where we get so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, when when it talks about laying aside every weight, you know, there are things that are holding us down and holding us back into walking into the things of God. We There are things that we have to push aside. I think this is what Paul talks about, you know, that I press to lay hold of the things of God, leaving the things that are behind and, and going forward into what lies ahead. I know for me in my life of where I've, I've seen this happen is when I'm laying down the things of my past and when I lay them down and I leave the things of my past, the things of the future and the things that God has begin to rise up as I leave those things that are behind me. But when I'm continually dabbling in, holding on to, not letting go, holding it in a close fist, that's when I don't see the things of God happening before me. You know that the word repentance actually means change the way that you think. We think repentance is this thing of like, I was going one way and I turned around and went the other. But genuine repentance is changing the way that I think. So that way that I have the mind of Christ. So that way that when I have a thought that I would hold it captive to the obedience of Jesus. And the way that we leave the things that are behind is genuine repentance changing the way that we think. What, what have you walked in here today with that you need to lay down before the Lord? I mean, James talks about it so well. I think you guys have been going through this book in the Bible. I think it's called James. Caitlin. I think, I mean, I watch every single week online, but I'm pretty sure it's the book of James. And I don't think you've gotten to the scripture yet, but I know what James talks about. That when you confess your sins, to the Lord that you're forgiven, but when you confess your sins to your brothers, you're healed. And I think where we have missed it is we have been just trying to, we've been trying to play God or we've just been trying to, you know, just confess my sins to God, but I have not been healed from it yet. But where true, genuine healing comes from is confessing it to one another. There's an altar time that happens at the end of here. That could be your time today. Sorry, I don't mean to like step on people's toes, but I just felt like I had to go there. Are you okay? Are you good? Are you all right? Okay, good. Be, Be good. It's all good. Okay. All right. Cool. The sin that so easily ensnares us, the words easily ensnares actually translate to an, to an ancient Greek word, which I'm not going to try to give you the word because I don't really like, I don't read Greek. So, but I know the word, but it actually means easily avoided that this word that we, when we think of sin, we think of the things that the enemy puts before us, you know, to steal, kill and destroy us. We think of it as difficult a lot of times, but actually the Greek word translated, the ancient Greek word actually means that we can easily avoid it. Because I don't know if you know this, but the same word that you say no to one thing is actually the same no that you can say to the sin that so easily ensnares you. No is just no, right? So look, if you're trying to lose weight, which I feel like I need to, I probably should not eat my wife's amazing vegan cookies because they're full of just, I mean, they're they are amazing, but I shouldn't eat them. And when I say no to that, it's the same no that I'm saying to any sin that the enemy tries to throw at me, any temptation that the enemy throws at me. It's just no. So actually the Greek word we need to realize is that we think it's so difficult to avoid, but actually what the writer of Hebrews is saying is no, it's actually easily avoidable. That all you have to do is say no. That it might look admiring, it might be ensnaring, it, but also know that it is dangerous. It says, let us run with endurance. What is needed for endurance to finish well? It all starts and ends with Jesus. That's all it is. It starts and ends with Jesus. The race that is set before us. <laughs> I bel- I, this is what I believe is that Jesus is actually at the starting line and at the finish line of everything that we do in life. That we think that Jesus is the end goal, right? We think that heaven is the end goal. We think the Lord is the end goal. But Jesus has gone before us and He's right beside us. So when you're starting the race that you, that God has called you to, when you're starting this life, He is at the beginning and He's at the end and He's all the way through it. Because He's an omnipresent God, right? Church? He's always with us. God has set before us Each of us a race that we must run. An effort and a level of commitment is needed in this race. God wants us to run the race and finish it well. And when we are doing it with him every step of the way, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus even says in John 15 that apart from me, you can do nothing. But in everything that you set your mind to and your heart to, when it is from the Lord and it is run with Jesus, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That is exactly what I wanna hear Jesus say when I get to the end. In everything that I do, I have to give an account for when I die. When I am face to face with the Lord, the judger of the nations, there will be, I will have to give an account of everything. How I led my family, how I led my church, how I led, how I led the Lord's church, not my church, it ain't my church, it's the Lord's church. And how I lead things and what I do and who I am, I will give an account for. But I want, when I see Jesus face to face, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's all about stewarding. And how do we steward a generation well? How do we steward a generation well into the things of God? Um, I, I kind of feel like I need to hurry, but I got time, right? Do I have time? I got time. I got plenty of time. Praise God. So uh, I want to I talk about this word endurance real quick because I, I feel like a lot of my heart around this word endurance. It's something that I, I commit myself to quite a bit. But the word endurance translate to a Greek word, which I'm not going to tell you because it doesn't matter. Uh, well, it does matter, but I, I don't know it well. It's not like I speak Greek. But what it does mean, uh, the word actually endurance really kind of co- coincides with the word patience. And there's there's got to be in us endurance and a determination to see something happen. But it's going to take patience to see it take place. Um, last year, before I came here back in May in 2021, I had ridden a bike five days, 500 miles across the state of Pennsylvania, uh, raising money for human trafficking and awareness around the topic of human trafficking. And, um, you know, when you get on a bike, there's sometimes where you're just like, I'm just going to pedal as hard as I can. Uh, I watched all these people on the beach yesterday, biking on the beach, which was super cool. I'm like, I need a beach cruiser. How do I get a beach cruiser? I don't know, Caleb, I need to figure out how to get a beach cruiser. I want to ride my bike on the beach. Um, but people are like struggling when they get into the like this hard sand like the hard sand, they're struggling. When they get in the soft sand, they just get off the bike and start walking it. It's pretty funny. Um and so, but when when I was set on to to basically ride a bike across not, not a motorcycle. A lot of people think when I say bike, they thought motorcycle, that would be easy, right? But I don't know if you know this, but five hundred miles it's it's not flat like South Carolina. There's these things called hills that for me as a big guy are really mountains. But we did climb a mountain. We climbed like three of them. And that, those are like mountain mountains. I felt like I was climbing Everest on a bike, which actually across the it's, uh, five days, I've already lost sight because, I mean, it was like so long. Uh, it's actually 29,000 feet of climbing, which is actually the uh, height of Mount Everest, just about. And so that's what we did on a bike. But I couldn't ride my bike into day five being, I've got to go and do this the fastest that I can because I wouldn't make it. But it took endurance. It took patience, but it took a determination to see things, to, to see this get all the way to the end. Not just start, the, the day one is awesome because it's super flat in Ohio. But then as you start to climb, it just gets weary and tiresome And you just want to like literally hop off the bike and throw it in the woods. That's what I wanted to do multiple times. The first hill that we climbed, I wanted to break my bike in half. And I was literally telling myself, why did I sign up for this? Nobody told me to do this except for the Lord. But I'm like, no one was making me follow through in this except for Jesus. But I wanted to get off the bike and say, call it quits. But it took endurance to be able to see day one become day five. And every day was literally suffer camp, was camping and suffering. My legs felt like jello at the end of every day. My my behind, I don't know if you know this, but you sit down on a tiny little saddle that's only about this wide. Yes, it hurts. I wanted to end Literally, like, it would be five miles in on day two, and I'd be like, I'm done. I think I want to die. I think I, I, I hope. I, I literally, like, Jesus, if you could just take me now, I'd be, oh, I would be A-okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in a determination and endurance, it takes an unhurrying and undelaying. It's an unhurrying and yet undelaying, which goes steadily and refuses to be deflected to anything else. And I think where we see a generation walk in the things of God, it's not a one-time talking to somebody who is younger than you, but I think it is a determination, setting forth a mindset of, I'm gonna have endurance, that even though I may not relate well, there is something that God has put in me that I can put into somebody else. God has put something in you. Let me tell you something. If you are not dead, then God is not done with you. And I, I, I question, as fathers and mothers in the faith, whether you've been walking with Jesus for five days or 50 years, we have something to give to a generation that needs Jesus. You, there is something that God has deposited into us as believers that we need to give to a generation. So my question to you is, what does this mean for the church? And what does this mean for the next generation? What does this mean for me and you? And what does this mean for the next generation? Well, one, I would tell you this, is that there is a need today more than ever to stir the things of God into a generation. Judges 2, 7 and 10 says this, and all the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done in Israel. In verse 10, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things He had done for Israel. This happened thousands of years ago, and yet it's still happening to this day. We have to do something. There's a thing of spiritual legacy. There's, I believe, a picture of spiritual legacy that we see in this, but also throughout the entire Bible. There's two generations that have intentionally been positioned to co-labor together. You and I have been positioned to co-labor with the younger generation to raise them up in the things of God. You believe that? I fully believe this. And where we actually see this is we use this scripture when Jesus talks about not being unequally yoked, and we use that as a picture of, you know, when it comes to in relationships, in marriage, uh, with friends, with uh, business partners, all these different types of things. But actually, when it talks about, Jesus actually does mention about how we are to co-labor with one another. And I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, when you would teach a younger ox to plow a field, you would yoke an older ox with a younger ox. And the younger oxen would be looking to and fro because once he gets shackled with, with the yoke, it became like, it almost was like trying to figure out, well, what do I do next? Where do I go? I've only been able to walk freely, you know, most of my life right now. And now you're shackling me and I'm walking next to this, this other big thing, which is me, but I'm only smaller. And what would happen? As an older ox would actually begin to teach the younger ox how to plow. And when the younger ox would begin to veer, the older ox would keep a position to continue to plow. And I don't know if you know this, but this is what I believe, is that for us, we are meant to till the soil of the things of God. There is something that is being planted to be harvested in the future. And how do we do this as an older generation? We need to be walking side by side with the younger generation. We need to be teaching them what the word of God says. We need to show them what integrity means. We need to show them what character means. We need to show them how to pray. We need to teach them how to worship. We need to, we need to do this side by side because as a generation, I remember being so young in my faith and literally like, I mean, I'm, I'm in school and I've got, people that are trying to pull me back and forth and then I'm sitting with my, my mentors and my elders and people of my life that were walking with Jesus and I remember just doing life by them, life with them and I think it's like a it's when it comes to co-laboring, it's linking arms with one another and walking out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yes. This is what a younger generation needs. This is the need today as a generation is walking away to do life with them, to pull the plow with them. You know, when I think about a younger generation and an older generation, there's something that is in us that are older and there's something in other people that are also younger. And there's this mindset, and this is what I've learned from a mentor of mine, was that young people actually want older people in their life. And what young people would say is, I need you to love me. I need you to believe in me. And I need you to listen to me. But in an older generation, what we have done is we say, we want you to respect me. I need you to be trustworthy. And I need you to be teachable. And those are two different languages. These are two different languages. And I think when us as an older generation, where we want respect we want trust, and we also want teachability. A younger generation is saying, look, I just need you to love me. I need you to believe in me when I say something. I need you to believe what I'm saying. But I just need you to listen to me. A younger generation wants relationship without authority, and an older generation wants authority without relationship. But the two, as we co-labor together, must come hand in hand. Because where you give relationship there you will see authority. In a younger generation where there is no authority, their desire and relationship, when you give that relationship, authority will be given. In one conversation, one moment that you have with somebody younger than you will not change them in that moment. But it takes walking it out day by day, praying for them in your prayer closet. Laying them before the Lord, holding them in an open hand, trusting that as you would hear from the Lord, that the Lord would speak to you as you would, as the Lord is wanting to speak to them. We want people, I feel like a lot of times what we've done is, I'm grateful that I didn't have a dad that ever told me this. My dad never did this, but he walked side beside me, hand in hand with me in a lot of things of my life. But he never He never did one thing and then just say, Oh, do as I, do as I say, not as I do. No, my dad, who he was in private was who he was in public. And he was, he never said, Do as I, do as I say, don't do as I do. No, he would say, Do as I say, and I'm going to do it with you. I remember when I was, I love stories. You okay with that? I remember being younger and I thought we were in, uh, Del champs. Is that Del champs? Was that the, uh, the name of the grocery store? Del champs. If you're in South, if you're in Florida, you probably knew it. Del champs. Thank you. Okay. I don't know how that just came to me right there, but I'm in the grocery store and I see these, this is when Hershey's put out a white chocolate that was like cookies and cream. It was like the cookies and cream. It was brand new. I mean, I was like, I was little, I was like probably like six or seven. And I told my dad, I'm like, dad, there's free chocolate. And he's like Taylor, that's not free. Come on, let's go. And I said, no, Dad. I really. Do you remember this? I said, I really want this chocolate. And uh, and he's like, no, we have to go. We're no, leave it there. You're not gonna take it. He was a good dad. And what did I do? I took it and I put it in my pocket. And we get home and I'm I'm trying to sneak it out of my pocket. Let not not let him know that I'm eating it. And we get home and I'm going to pull it out of my pocket. Some I don't know how. My dad's spirit of God is on this man. He comes into my room and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, eating chocolate. And he's like, where did you get that from? I said, the store. He said, why did you take that? I said, I don't know. I just wanted it. It was free. He said, Taylor, that wasn't free. You know what he made me do? He could have just been like, okay, well don't do this again. You know what he did? He drove me back down the store, got the general manager, and he made me confess what I did to the general manager. I hated that moment, but you know what? I was grateful for a dad that could have just been like, Hey, that's not okay. Just go ahead and eat it. It's literally, you know what happened when I told the manager, it was a woman. She was, I told her what I did. I said, I stole this and I didn't mean to. I thought it was free and I took it and it, I learned it wasn't free and I'm sorry. And she was like, Oh, that's okay. You can just take it. And I was like, You mean I went through all of this for what? What I learned was that I had a dad that cared for me and could have just turned a blind eye and been like, whatever. But no, he loved me enough to teach me where I was wrong and to say, you know what? We're gonna make the wrong thing right. And that's what we needed in an older generation, not turning a blind eye to anything that we do, but saying, hey, this is not correct. Let's walk this out together. And this is what we need. A younger generation needs this. So what I would tell you is that you are needed. There's something in you. You are needed in this next generation. There's also a call. Matthew 10, 5 through 8 says this. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles to enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the Israel. As you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven is come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received, freely give. I think a lot of times what we think in band, you can come off because I need to land this plane. I think a lot of times what we have done is we think that some people are called. But in this moment, we realize that Jesus has said that you are called. And what I would tell you today is that if you are saved, you are called by Jesus. If you are saved by Jesus, you are called by Jesus. To what? Cleanse lepers, raise the dead, heal the sick, drive out demons. Because you have received Jesus so freely, give Jesus to everybody. This is what we are called to. What, see, like, who in the next generation's faith is stronger because of how we discipled them? Look, look at your life right now and just think about those that are younger than you. Who in your life, their faith is stronger because of how you have lived out a life with Jesus. Because how you have walked side by side with them as you walk with Jesus. Jesus. Whose faith is stronger because of how you rub shoulders with them on a regular basis? Church, we have got, we cannot lose a generation to the things of God. We have got to stir in them, to fan in the flames the gift of God. We need to blow on the embers that are dying. Begin to blow in them to see them be revived. And see them walk with the Lord. I would go with any measure to make sure that this is happening. I know that it's it's the heartbeat of a church that we want to establish in Pennsylvania. The Northeast, which is cold and brutal, five months out of the year, it is gray. People are depressed, angry. Every time the Eagles lose, they're even more angry. But let me tell you something. I will not settle for an apathetic church. I will not settle for a generation walking from God because I know that we are called. I know that we are the answer. You and I are the answer for a younger generation. Luke 17, 20 through 21 says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say Here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. And actually some versions say that the kingdom of God is already in you. You are a carrier of the things of God. You are a carrier of the Holy Ghost. You are a carrier of the anointing of God. And if it is in you, it is to be given. How will people taste and see that the Lord is good unless they eat of the fruit that is being established and being, is coming from your life? The fruit that, that they eat, the fruit that that you bear is not for you. It's for other people to taste and see that God is good. And there are people a generation, a younger generation that needs to know that God is good. Even when the door shuts, God's still good. Even when their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them, he's still good. You didn't get into that college. It's okay. He's still good. Your mom and dad walked out on you. It's okay. He's still good. A loved one was taken from you? It's okay. He's still good. And those words mean nothing. But when you walk with a generation, they see it as you walk with them. They see things happening in you that they're like, I need that. And I want us to realize this is that when it comes to serving a generation, that's not... For some people, no, if you're still alive, if you're still breathing, if you're not dead, then God's not done. And I would tell you this is that I wanna I want stir in you something today. Like I would love to say, let, let me stir in you to, get, to give and sow into our church. That's not it right now for me. Though we need a lot of money to plant a church, being real, God, God's got that. But can I tell you something? Here in this church, in you, God has something for you. And today I would tell you is that you are called to serve the next generation. You're like, well, I don't know where to begin. Let me tell you how to begin. Sign up to be a part of the Renew You. Be a part. You're like, well, I don't have time to give. Get rid of some things in your life to raise up the next generation. Just being real. So what's going to happen is there's a QR code. You can take your phone out, put the camera up, hit that code, and sign up today. A generation needs you. A generation that is walk. You have no idea if there's a student that comes tonight that might be contemplating suicide, that might be contemplating walking away from God. What you just do stepping in the door and being there for, a, for another person what that can do. And you might be thinking like, I'm not ready yet. That's okay. It takes actually stepping in the door, sometimes become ready. Because if you just stand on the outside, well, I'm not ready yet. I need to get some things in order. I need to do this. I need to do that. No, put your foot in the door, cross the threshold, and just begin to serve and watch what happens. There's a generation that needs us to walk Side by side, hand in hand with them. And you can be the answer.